Thank you for joining us, Steve. And as always, we hope All right. you enjoy the rest of the show. Little technical difficulties. The soldiers did not say welcome to City Life, but we're going to say welcome to City Life. Um, so it's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we here at City Life love our military. If it wasn't for the military, uh, we know that we as America wouldn't have a lot of freedoms that we do have. And so we're thankful for everyone who has ever served and laid their life on the line for us in the United States military. And we know that we have many of you guys here tonight. So we just want to take time to honor our military. If you've ever served or are currently serving in the military, I would just ask that you stand up. We want to take some time to honor you, to pray for you, to just recognize the contribution that you have made to the United States. So we're going to pray for you as I pray for my message. I just want to pray that God would encourage you guys and that you guys would feel appreciated. So Father, thank you for these men and women who have fought and who have served in the United States military. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would feel appreciated by their church family, but more importantly, Lord God, they would feel appreciated by you. Thank you for these people. Thank you for everybody in here tonight, Lord. I just pray that you would just awaken us to your uh, presence, Lord, and that you would just show us what you want us to see in your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's up, guys? How's it going? Good to see everybody. Welcome to City Life. My name is Anthony Hiltz. I do know many of you. Oh, okay. All right. A little excited there. All right. All right. Good. I'm going to need some participation tonight. So you can throw out some amens whenever you want, just, just like that. So um, my name is Anthony. I do know most of you, but some of you guys I may not know or have not had the privilege of meeting you yet. My wife, uh, my wife, yeah, my wife Amanda and I serve Jesus here as elders at City Life Suffolk, and it's just been a joy for us to be here since the church was planted. And Pastor Justin is away this weekend, our campus pastor. He is actually officiating a wedding today, so he asked me if I would preach, and I was excited to say yes, um, for sure. So I'm excited to be here to share God's word with you tonight because the word of the Lord is so special to me. So God's word is something that I cherish. It's something that has just been so powerful in my life, and I pray it's been the same in your life as well. Um, the Bible, as I've spent time reading it and dedicating my life really to study the scriptures and to just know God more intimately through the scriptures has changed my life. I've been a Christian for about a decade now, but it really wasn't until about a year into being a Christian that I decided I should probably read the Bible a little bit. And so I um, definitely drug my feet a little bit coming into the faith. But ever since I dedicated my life to seeing God move through his word, he has changed me because God's word is active and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires, says the writer of Hebrews, and I pray that you've experienced the same thing that I have, but if you have not, I'm saying it by faith that tonight will be that night for you. I pray that God just ministers to your heart tonight, and you wouldn't leave here today without having an encounter with God, and that the Holy Spirit will work in your life. And so I spent a couple weeks, probably about a week, week and a half, praying about what I should preach tonight, and I strongly felt the Lord encouraging me to preach about something he's been teaching me about over the last couple years, and that's prayer. I don't know what that was. That's pretty cool. It's like having your own personal drummer. And so um, we're going to camp out in one scripture tonight. And so I felt God lead me to one particular scripture. And so when you say, hey, we're going to talk about prayer, there's so many different things you could talk about in the Bible in regards to prayer. How we should pray, praying in the spirit, um, when we should pray, who we should pray for. There's so many different things that we could talk about in regards to prayer. But I just want to camp out in one scripture, and that's in the book of Colossians. It's in the New Testament. And so we're going to go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, and we're going to spend our time there tonight. 
because prayer is essential to the life of a believer. It's the way that we communicate with God conversationally, just like I'm communicating with you guys right now. I muffled my words a little bit. It's totally cool. You're not judging me. Guess what? When you talk to God, he's not up there judging you on how you're speaking to him. He just wants to spend time with you in prayer. And so we talk to God conversationally, just like I'm talking to you now, but with reverence. And we go to him in prayer knowing that he loves us enough and cares enough to hear our prayers. I love, love everything that Tara was talking about when she was exhorting us in worship. And she was talking right before we sang that last bridge about how much God loves us and how there's nothing we can ever do to deserve his grace and his love that he just gives it to us. And he just wants to spend time with us. It's almost like she was digging around in my notes because God wants to have a personal relationship with everybody here. So I've been a Christian for about 10 years, and um, something that I've struggled with, if I'm just honest, is prayer. Now, that didn't mean that I wasn't a Christian when I struggled with prayer. Coming into the faith as a young believer, some things were hard for me with prayer, and I just want to be a little honest with you guys tonight, see if you can relate to some of the struggles that I've had. And then I want to talk with you about how God has been helping me over the past few years to view prayer through a different lens, to bring me into more of a vibrant intimate, close relationship with him. And so first and foremost, one of the three struggles that I've had with prayer is praying on autopilot. Has anybody here ever experienced that? And so I'll tell you this. So, I mean, I wasn't a Christian when I first had Aiden and Avery, but we taught them prayers at night. Like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Like, just just a prayer. Like, that's what you're supposed to do before you go to sleep is you're supposed to say a prayer. And so sometimes now being in a relationship with Jesus, I take that mindset, and it bleeds over into my walk with the Lord. So uh, sometimes I just pray mindlessly and thank you, Lord, for this day. But I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying. I just close my eyes, and I just start uttering some prayer that sounds more like a robotic and repetitious script than communication with my father. And it's not like that I'm not thankful for this day. I surely am thankful when I understand that the pure oxygen that I breathe in today is a gift from God. But sometimes I mindlessly go to God. And I, it's in those moments I truly try to remind myself, like, ah, shake my head like, God, sorry. You know, and um, he has grace for me. But that's something that I've wrestled with. Another thing I've wrestled with is being distracted. Who in here has ever wrestled with being distracted in prayer? Uh, there you go. Hey, put your hands up because, hey, I'm right there with you, all right? So as I'm going to God on autopilot sometimes, because I'm not focused on him and the substance and the words that I'm speaking, I get so easily distracted. Like, what did I just see on Facebook? Or what am I watching on TV tonight with my wife? And are the Celtics going to win tomorrow against LeBron James? There's just so many different things that go through my mind. And instead of being an intimate relationship and conversation with my father, I end up like this stupid dog from up being distracted by the simple squirrel. Who here knows what I'm talking about? Who here has seen Up? And so there's this dog in this movie, Up, if you're not familiar with it, where he has this collar. And he has this collar around his neck. And it allows him to communicate conversationally with this really old dude. And as he's talking to him, he gets distracted by a squirrel. So he's talking, and he's very sophisticated, but he's still a dog, and he gets easily distracted. And so, man, sometimes that's me in my prayers. I'm like this stupid dog from Up. So you guys can relate to that as well, I see. So the third thing that I've wrestled with and this has probably been the one that I've overcome the most recently in my prayer life, is how in the world am I supposed to pray without ceasing? Has anyone in here ever thought about that? Like Paul says, never stop praying. Like never means like never. 
ever stop praying. And so how in the world am I supposed to pray without ceasing? Like, what does that look like? Am I supposed to stop to eat food? Am I supposed to pray for 45 minutes in the morning or three hours? Like, what is prayer supposed to look like in order for me to live out this command by Paul to never stop praying or to pray without ceasing? And so that was the third thing that I kind of wrestled with. And um, God has really, really shown up big in my life is I've come into relationship with him. And so for all of this, this is going to lead us to the scripture we're going to talk about tonight in Colossians. It's a really, really small verse, but there's so much richness inside it. Every time I get a chance to preach here, I, sometimes I just, most of the times I feel like God leads me to one particular text. And there's so much within one short sentence in the Bible that you could just, you know, pick it apart and dial into it and look at these different themes. And so in this scripture in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So he tells us three things. He says, one, be devoted to prayer. He says, two, inside your prayers, when you're praying, be alert. And three, have a thankful heart. And so we're going to dive into that, into that tonight to see exactly what that looks like. And so as we dive into that, we're going to break down those three themes, devoted to prayer, alert in prayer, and thankful in prayer. So I want to talk first about all of the ways I've seen God move since I've been a Christian. And so, hey, man, we could be here for years talking about the goodness and the faithfulness of God that I've witnessed and that you've likely witnessed. But I just want to read off a few things that I've seen. I've seen marriages restored. Who in here has seen a marriage restored by the grace of God? I mean, I've seen people that have been cheating on their wives, that have been cheating on their husbands, that have been just horrible people, be touched by the Holy Spirit and completely changed and have thriving marriages right now because God intervened and answered the prayers of his people. I've seen physical healings happen. I've seen people diagnosed with a sickness and then go back to a doctor and the doctors say, I, I, I do, can't explain this. They don't have a sickness anymore. And I've been alongside these people praising God for what he's done in their life. I've seen addictions conquered, completely conquered. Alcoholics, no more alcoholics. Who in here was here um, last week? Pastor Justin said, I used to be an alcoholic. Guess what? He's not no more because he's changed by the grace of God. I've seen addictions completely removed. Conquering is like wrestling and battling something. I've seen addictions completely removed because when you set your eyes upon Jesus and you come into a relationship with God, man, who knows? Some things just fall off, right? I've seen people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. This is one of the most miraculous things you'll ever experience is seeing someone's life completely changed. And I stand here as a testament to that. I've seen financial needs met just recently. I've seen financial needs met. I see this happen all the time. I've seen homes get purchased, homes get sold. My home particularly that we just bought in Eagle Harbor a year ago, we had to close on a home within a two-week window. We had to, like had to or we don't have this home, and God worked it all out. I've seen desires fulfilled, broken relationships restored, adoption processes sped up, and I've seen women who have wanted to have children be told you're never going to have children, only to now have babies in their hands or be expecting. Powerful stuff. And all of this happens because we have a good God. And God hears and answers the prayers of his people. He hears us. He answers our prayers. In this congregation alone, I've seen the Lord do miraculous things. And so 
two years ago, a little over two years ago, we planted this campus. We came here, a whole bunch of people from Newport News, Hampton, from the peninsula. We moved here to plant this church. If you're sitting in here right now and you weren't at Newport News, we prayed for you. And you're sitting here because we prayed for you. Even if this is your first time here, we prayed for you to sit in that pew right now. If you're a member here and you've been a member here, and I'm telling you, there was a specific instance where people came. We didn't see them for a while. We prayed for them. And two weeks later, they came, and they've been here ever since. Specific prayers I've seen the Lord answer. Do you know why that is, though? Because God cares for us. He loves us so much. And oftentimes, he answers our prayers. Whoa, let me go back. He answers our prayers way more than we ask them of him. Because he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Because God cares for you, man. Look, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, that God knows the very hairs in your head. The very hairs in your head. I actually didn't put this picture there to focus on Mike's hair. But God knows the very, every single hair on Mike's head, Jesus says. So why do we worry about stuff? God knows the exact amount of hairs on your head. And so get this, if God knows the exact amount of hairs on your head, and he cares about the smallest hair on your head, he cares about the smallest concern on your heart. Every head that's ever existed since Adam, God knows the hairs on their head. And he cares about the concerns in your heart. There's nothing too big, there's nothing too small that you can't pray for. Nothing too big and nothing too small. Look, God knows your thoughts. So that very thing that you might be thinking, I don't even know, like, is it right for me to ask this of God? I mean, come on. He's huge. He's big. He's massive. He's holy. And, and this is just this, this little thing, like my bills need paid or whatever it might be that you're thinking, I, I don't know if God cares about that. Look, God knows that you're thinking about talking to him about these things. So you might as well just talk to him about it because he cares for you. The scripture says that God knows our thoughts. He's got an infinite amount of love for you. So, devoted to prayer. How devoted are we? I do this all the time. Every time I preach, I'm going to kick them down here. So, but how devoted to prayer are we as people? Like I said, when I became a Christian, I wasn't truly devoted to prayer. Sure, I would pray but I wasn't truly devoted to prayer. And so I want to ask you, how devoted are we to prayer? So let's dive into this first point where Paul says, be devoted to prayer. So let's talk about devotion for a minute. Who here knows who LeBron James is? Quite a few people. If you don't really, like, know of him because you don't love basketball, you've likely heard the name. And so LeBron James, his nickname is King James. He's been in the NBA for 15 years since he graduated high school. In the last seven years, he's been to every NBA Finals and won three of them with two different teams. And if he wins tomorrow, and I hope he doesn't, because I'm a Boston Celtics fan, if he wins tomorrow, he will have been in eight NBA Finals straight every year he's there. This dude owns every statistical record right now or is on pace to own them by the time that he's done. He's about 33 years of age. Everyone else who's 33 is like walking around with a walker because when you talk about NBA, 33 is like old for these guys to be running up and down the court. But this guy is not. He's on pace to own all of these records. This guy is a machine. And so I don't bring up LeBron James solely to talk about basketball because I love it, but to talk with you about his devotion to the sport of basketball. Five days a week in the offseason, he works out. Every single day, he's playing basketball. Seven days a week during the season, he works out. 
He has two personal trainers, personal, that he has of himself, not his team trainers, one who is with him all of the time. He watches what he eats, and he spends $1.5 million a year on his body. That's crazy. That's nuts. But if you look at him, it's no wonder why the man is just a, probably one of the most athletic people you'll ever see because he is relentlessly devoted to being the best that he could possibly be. That is what devotion looks like, relentless effort. Devotion looks like being so relentlessly focused on something that you're pursuing it with all you have. And that's what LeBron James does. So I'm not bringing up LeBron James to talk about how you need to have this effort to be in a relationship with God. Like, you have to be so good at your relationship with God like LeBron James is at basketball. Or if you don't, you're not going to earn God's grace and God's favor. No, not at all. Listen, Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross, and you come into a relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did for you. So everything you've ever need to come into a relationship with God has been done by Jesus Christ in his effort. That is the gospel. That's the beautiful gospel that there's nothing we could ever do, no prayer you could ever say, no deed you could ever do, no effort you could ever give that will bring you into a relationship with God. Our prayers don't establish our relationship with God, but our prayers definitely strengthen our relationship with God. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection will give you access to an intimate relationship with God and give you the ability to pray and to come before God. The scripture says that you should boldly come before the throne of God. It says in Hebrews that there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That boldness and that confidence from going to God for anything that you need and praying without ceasing, all of that comes from what Jesus did for you on the cross. So you don't go before God wondering, do you accept me? You go before God because you were accepted. And so I don't know where all of you guys are, but I know this. We all have needs. You need grace? The scripture here says go to God's throne. You need mercy? Go to God's throne. You need wisdom, courage, whatever it might be, financial needs. Whatever you need, you need to go to the Lord. Being in God's presence daily strengthens us for this life that we're called to live here on earth to bring him glory. I read this book by Pastor Tony Evans. I guess it's really it's Dr. Tony Evans. But um, this book's called Kingdom Prayer, and this is what he says. He says, too often we toss up general prayers when the answer we need isn't general at all. We need a precise answer, but we do not bother to pause what we are doing to ask a specific prayer. We pray general prayers, but we fail to invite God to move in specific moments. So if you need wisdom, ask God. Give me wisdom for how I need to speak with this person about whatever the situation is. But I think sometimes we just, God, give me strength for the day. Give me wisdom, Lord. You know, we just pray these general things. But look, God cares about the specifics. Look, I tell you, I have four kids. I, kids, I really care about the specifics in their life. We ask our kids every day. When we sit down to eat, we eat dinner every day. It's very important for me and my wife. I didn't have that when I grew up. So having that time together, we ask all the kids, all the way down to my one-year-old, how was your day? And when we get a general response, we say, give me more. The general response is, good. Nope. That's, that's cool. We can get that out of the way right now. Okay, why is it good? Right, Avery? Why is it good? Because we want to know. We, we generally care about their hearts and what's going on. So 
we see Paul talk to us, and he says, look, be devoted to prayer. And he understands the reason why is because God has the answers to everything that we need. So he says never stop praying because it's possible to just talk with God about any and everything. It doesn't have to be super spiritual to pray for three, four hours a day. If I calculated the time that I spend talking to God a day, I'm promising you it's not hours. But when I see needs, I pray for them. I'm praying for my family, and I'm devoted to prayer. And so I want to talk with you guys about what does devotion in prayer now look like? We've talked about devotion. We've talked about the reason why we can come before God. So what does devotion look like in prayer? To never stop praying and to pray about everything. Well, let's look at Jesus. So we talked about King James, but look, King James, his relentless effort at playing basketball perils in comparison to the devotion that King Jesus had to his father. Jesus' prayer life was purposeful and it was passionate. It was purposeful in that he often went to the wilderness. It says it there in Luke 5, 16, in that he got up early in the morning to pray. So we see Jesus carved out time for prayer. He would get up before everyone else did, and he would go out in the wilderness. And Jesus was so passionate in his prayers that he poured out his heart so much that he sweat blood. I don't know if you know that or if you've ever seen that in the Bible. But Jesus once cried out to God so, just so passionately that he sweat blood, poured out his emotions to God. We were talking about that this week in Life Group, that it's possible to go with God with all of your emotions and all of your feeling and not sin. Because Jesus did it. And so we're supposed to go before God purposefully and passionately. We see that in Jesus' life. But it really doesn't matter when and where you set aside time with the Lord to be in prayer. It just matters that you set aside time to be with the Lord in prayer. So you might be thinking, look, dude, I hate the wilderness, and I don't get up before 5. And some of you are like, 5? Yeah, right. Like, I don't get up before 8. And that's fine. Jesus isn't telling us you need to go out into the woods or you need to wake up at 4 in the morning to pray. What he's trying to show us is an example that we need to carve out time that is allotted for us with the Father, and we need that time. If Jesus, who was perfect, needed to be in prayer and have a specific amount of time set aside to be with the Father, then we need that as well. So we need to be devoted in prayer. In addition to being devoted in prayer, Paul calls us to be alert in prayer. So what does that look like? As I was talking about, man, being alert in prayer. I mean, first and foremost, it's not getting distracted like that dumb dog. Squirrel! Right? I just, I'm waking you guys up if you're distracted. If you're not alert, I'm going to get you alert. So Jesus wants us to be alert in prayer. So there's two specific ways that I see God has called us to be alert in prayer. Number one is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit inside of us. So if you're in a relationship with God, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And God wants to help you in your prayer lives. God wants to help you talk to him. And so he wants you to be sensitive to the spirit that's inside of you. That's one way that you can be alert in your prayers. If you're sensitive to the spirit inside of you, it's going to be a little bit harder to get distracted. That doesn't mean that you won't get distracted at times because I still do at times. It just means if you're sensitive to the leadings of the spirit, it's going to be harder to get distracted. And then second is being aware of the world around us. And so we all live in a fallen world. We all live in a world that's wrought with sin. We see when we're out and about people that have needs and prayer requests or people that are hurt and need healing or whatever it might be. And we are aware of what's going on in our world. So we should be aware enough to keep that in prayer. So I want to break that down a little bit. For me, I want to tell you what this looks like. And so my devotion to prayer now looks like me getting up when my three-year-old gets up. She's my alarm. I don't have an alarm. It's just when she comes and taps me and says, time to wake up, I wake up. And so we get up, we go downstairs, 
spend time in my Bible and spend time in my journal. And so I meet with the Lord personally through journaling. So this isn't something that you have to do. I'm not, I don't have journals to give you guys before you leave. I'm not going to say that you have to do it this way. But for me, I'm a routine guy. And if I have a routine, it helps me in my communication with my father. And so what I do is I just open up my journal. I pray specifically. I didn't have this in my notes, but let me, let me say this because I think we all need to hear it. If you've got a family, if you're not praying for your family, who, who's going to be praying for your family? If you've got kids, you're responsible to be praying for them. And if you're not doing it, no one else is going to be. There might be some other people that are praying for them. But they should be on your heart daily. And so I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for my four kids. And there's a couple other people that I'm praying for daily just because I want to walk with them through a specific season. But after them, I'm just filling up that page with whoever God puts on my heart. Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Father, how do you want me to pray for them? And I just fill up my journal. It's not super holy. I just, okay, there's a name. Cool. I pray for you guys in the church because I love you guys. Many of you guys, I'm looking out here, I pray for you specifically. Don't pray for you every day, but I'm, I'm searching my mind to be alert. But who's sitting in these pews that, can I, that I can pray for? And I just ask, God, how do you want me to pray for them? And then a lot of the times I reach out to people. Some of you I may have reached out to before, but I have been on the other end of a text message where someone says, I prayed for you, and I love you. Or I'm encouraged by your walk with the Lord. If you need anything, reach out to me. I've been on the opposite end of that, and that propelled me in my faith so much. And so sometimes I just feel the Spirit say, reach out to that person, and I do. I just respond to that nudge. And let me tell you, I've seen God move in so many ways because when I ask God, hey, Holy Spirit, who should I be praying for? He'll drop some crazy names on me. I'm like, I have not seen this person in years. Like, I don't even know if I even have their phone number anymore. But the beauty of social media is that even though you don't see people, you see their names all the time because... They're all on your social media feed or whatever. And so one specific guy I have not seen in many years came to my mind. All right, Lord, I'll pray for this guy. Reached out to him. I first had to say, like, do I have, is this, you know, whoever? And he was like, yeah, this is me. And I told him, hey, man, I was just praying for you. And he said, dude, I'm brought to tears right now because I'm in the middle of some season. And God keeps reassuring me that he's there for me and that he's providing for me. So thank you. He wasn't praising me for reaching out to him. He was praising God for the fact that God placed him on somebody's heart. And God used me to be an instrument of love to that person. And, and within that same week, there was a guy who I work with. And this guy is awesome. He's amazing. And I do see him from time to time. And I just felt like I needed to reach out to him. So I shot him a text as well. Hey, dude, just want to let you know that the Lord laid you on my heart and I'm praying for you. The same exact thing. He's like, I'm literally in tears right now because I was just talking with my wife about how I need a sign from God. And I picked up my phone, and that's what was there. And this is not somebody that I pray for, like, generally. I didn't know what was going on in these people's lives, but the Holy Spirit was using me to love on this guy. I'll share with you one more thing. And so my wife and I are dedicated to prayer as well. Um, separately as well as collectively. But there's times where, you know, we typically have our prayer time alone from each other, and then at night we pray together. But throughout the day I'm praying or I pray in the morning or wherever I have my time with the Lord, I'm in prayer and she's in prayer. And this one particular day she reaches out to me and she says, hey, I, I prayed for so-and-so today, and I reached out to her. And I'm like, you prayed for who? She tells me who it was. And I'm like, I, I prayed for her husband as well, and I shot him a text. She did the same thing with his wife. This is somebody who we see regularly, but we didn't know what was going on in their life. We just felt like we needed to pray for them. And then another, another time that happened for somebody who 
I see sometimes, but I don't really know this person too well. But God placed this person on my heart, and he's the fiancé of somebody. And I just reached out to him, and I said, hey, dude, I'm praying for you. Love you. My wife told me, the same, I prayed for her as well. And so here we are, me and my wife, separately in our prayer time, the same day, praying for two couples. And so that's the Holy Spirit working within us. And I'm telling you, when you witness God do some stuff like that, I mean, you can't do nothing but stand back and go, okay, God, praise you. Because that's some Holy Spirit stuff right there. So secondly is being aware of the world around us. So being aware of your surroundings will just bring things to mind for you to pray for. Look, there's some things that are a little too touchy to bring up to some people, right? Some things are hard for us to talk about as people. There's nothing that you can't go to, to, to God and talk to him about. There's nothing stopping you from bringing a, a concern that somebody else has to the Lord and asking him to work on their behalf. It's easy to perceive needs, and we don't always need to just go, hey, man, let me talk to you about this. Before you go talk with somebody about something, go talk with the Lord about it. And I'm telling you, I've seen Jesus work mightily and stuff like this. And this is super cool stuff because you're not even talking to anybody about this. You're just praying, asking God, and then you see him do something that you didn't talk with anyone about. You didn't mention it to them. And you, you don't need to tell them and say, hey, look what God did. You could just, you and your time with the Lord, just be encouraged and edified. And that will fuel your prayer life like nothing else. Let me tell you another example of my wife and I. Um, I had read a book called Simple Church a couple months back, and this book has to do with um, churches that have a really small and easy mission statement to encourage people in their walks with Jesus, uh, a call to action, if you will, an easy way to soak up the DNA of a church to know how to walk out your faith and discipleship. And so thriving churches in America, this was a study that was done, have a simple call to action. Everyone in the church knows that this is our mission statement and this is how we follow Jesus together. It's all biblical, and it's typically like, you know, three or four, sentence, three or four words and a short, easy sentence. The whole concept of that book is making it simple for people to follow Jesus. Like sometimes we convolute things that don't really need to be convoluted. And so um, we're just talking about, hey, what does that look like as city life? Do we have a simple model of discipleship that's easy for people to get on board with? And so we're just being real and honest. We're like, I, I don't know that we do. We have a whole lot of different um, ways that we encourage people in their walk with the Lord. But how do we even talk with Pastor Fred about this or, or Pastor Justin? Because we don't even really know what it looks like. We just know that it's working in other churches, and how can we make following Jesus as simple as we possibly can? So we said, all right, well, why don't we just pray? Cool. So we pray about it. A couple of days later, we get an email from Pastor Fred. He sends a leader out to the, to the leadership team saying, hey, um, we kind of feel like we need to have a simple mission statement that's easy for people to get behind. And we're going to filter everything through the church behind these three words, embrace, encounter, embrace, and engage. Encounter God's presence, embrace God's family, and engage God's mission. I mean, this was the exact same, this is the exact thing that my wife and I were praying for. The exact thing. Simple, right? Look, encounter God's presence. That's what we do weekly. We do that here in the church service. We encounter God's presence. Our regional worship nights, we get together as two campuses to encounter God's presence. And so as Christians, we should be doing that. It's pretty easy, right? Number two, we should embrace God's family. And not just here on Saturday. We should really, excuse me, genuinely care for and embrace God's family. You're a part of the church, and that just doesn't happen here on Saturday night. You should be involved in people's lives, whether that's life groups, whether that's hanging out with people and 
going to the zoo or going to cookouts or having people over or whatever that looks like. You need to be embracing God's family. And thirdly, you need to be engaging God's mission. Jesus has called you to make disciples. So what does that look like in your life? How are you taking the mission that God's given you to walk that out? It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. So me and my wife just prayed about it. And obviously the Lord had already laid this on Pastor Fred's heart and Pastor Justin's heart because that was all working around in the background. So we're like, how do we bring this up? Let's just pray. So we're praying for wisdom for them, for, you know, like praying for us. How do we even talk about this? And we get the email. My wife shoots me a text like, did you see Fred's email? And we got a chance to just praise the Lord and tell everyone on the um, leadership team how that really touched our hearts. So it's good. So if we're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit inside of us and aware of the world around us, we will be alert in prayer. It's pretty simple. And so lastly, we should be thankful in prayer. Get a little, little hint of this hint. It's called hint if you didn't get that. So let's be thankful in prayer. So how can we be thankful in prayer? Well, look, first and foremost, we all have something to be thankful for, regardless of where you're at in life. And first and foremost is Jesus Christ. He died on a cross for your sin. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 30 years or you've been a Christian for 30 seconds. We never graduate from being thankful for our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And if that's something that's hard for you right now, I just pray that you understand Look, God has grace for you. God has love for you. And if this has been something that maybe has been outside of your prayers, that you haven't been thankful for, for the Lord showing his grace to you through Christ, I want you to know he's got grace for you. He's got love for you. He wants you to just remember to always be thankful for what he's done for you. Always, always be thankful. So we always can be thankful for Jesus. Number two, we can be thankful for others. Pray for other people. It really encourages people when they know that somebody is praying for them, and it will change you when you pray for other people. Like it just will. Your, your heart will get bonded to somebody else you pray for. Look, if you got somebody in your life that you can't stand, pray for them for 10 days, and you tell me how you feel 10 days later. I'm telling you, it's going to change you. Jesus says pray for your enemies. And so I would ask you guys, do you pray for your enemies? That's something that sometimes I get convicted. I write out my little page of prayers. I'm like, man, ain't no enemies on that one. Like, it's a challenge to me because we should be praying for people that despise us. And so some people are really emotionally draining and really not, like, connecting with you socially. It might be a challenge for you as a person. Then you can thank the Lord that the Lord's placed them in your life to change you and to make you more graceful. I don't even know if that's the right word. Maybe it's gracious. But to make you have more grace, to make you have more love, and to make you show more forgiveness to that person or be a little more patient. Because guess what? God's patient with you, and God's patient with me. And if we think that we don't have our quirks and our idiosyncrasies, then we've got something wrong and twisted. And so we could thank people. We could thank the Lord for everybody because they're made in God's image. We should be doing that. And God's challenged me to do that as well. Because when you're trying to see what you can thank the Lord for in somebody else, you're, you're searching as best as you can everything you know about someone to find what are the good things that God placed inside them. You'll start to see people in a different light. And so third, the last point here is answered prayers. So one of the reasons why I like to journal is because I can literally go back and circle my prayers and see, oh, man, God answered that. God did that. Oh, this girl's pregnant now. What in the world? This is crazy, God. So I can go back, and, it's, and it allows me to just um, really recall everything God has done. Instead of a simple when somebody tells you, hey, God did this in my life, sometimes I've been like, yeah, praise the Lord. And I do mean that, like praise the Lord. But I don't really take time to specifically be like, wow, 
I pray for that on this day, and this happened, and you did that, and God, I mean, thank you so much for caring. Sometimes I don't have a heart of thankfulness um, like I should, and I want to grow more in that. And so in doing that and answering, seeing how he answers my prayers through journaling has helped me, but really thanking him for answered prayers is something that will help you grow with a thankful heart as well. So what about when God doesn't answer prayers, though? Probably all thinking that. Yeah, I can be thankful for Christ. Absolutely. Be thankful for other people. I've seen God move in prayer. But you might be thinking, man, I, I asked God to do fill in the blank, and he didn't do it. Ask God to change this person, and he didn't. Ask God to keep this person alive, and he died. Whatever it might be, fill in the blank. You probably have something in your life that you can think of. Man, I kept going to God, and he just didn't answer. So I want to be patient with you in that. And I don't know specifically what you've gone to the Lord with and that he didn't answer. So I don't know that pain. So I can't sit here and say, oh, I can't even begin to say I understand. Because I don't understand the pain of someone who's had their spouse die, a kid that passed away. Or anything else detrimental that I've not walked through. So I don't understand. I don't understand diagnoses that people come down with. But you know what? Jesus Christ does. Jesus knows the pain of not having a prayer answered. Because at the heart of the gospel is an unanswered prayer. When Jesus sweat blood, it's because he was in agony because he knew it was going to happen. He was going to die. He was going to get beat. He was going to get spit on. He was going to get hung on a cross for the sins of the world. He knew what was going to happen. He knew all the pain that he was going to endure. And all that caused him to say, hey, God, if you could take this from me, please do. Like, if there's any other way, like, let this happen a different way. And then he said, but not my will, Lord, your will. Because he knew that it would be better that he take the sins of the world than for you guys to go to God with your sin. Because if that had to happen, it would be bad news. But Jesus knew what it was like to have a prayer not answered. He knows. So that pain that I can't relate to or maybe nobody else in here can relate to, that thing that's happened to you that you didn't deserve and likely you don't deserve it and you didn't deserve it, God knows because Jesus didn't deserve everything that happened to him. But he took it on a cross for us because he has great love for us, because he cares for us. Man, he cares for you so much that he knows your problems before you know them, and he already did something about it. So while I don't know your specifics in your unanswered prayers, I want to point you to two specific scriptures. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. The scripture also says that give your worries and cares to God, for he cares to you. One of the scripture translations, I think it's NIV, says cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Not like some of them, like all of your anxieties on God. Cast them onto him because he cares for you. I'm going to have the worship team come up here um, as I close out on my last point. So while I don't specifically understand the intricacies of what you've gone through with your unanswered prayer. I have an unanswered prayer of my own. So I've been a Christian for 10 years. It's been a decade now, close to a decade of walking with Jesus. And I came to even spark an interest in knowing God out of an unanswered prayer. So I was married before. My wife, Amanda, and I have been married for five years. But I was married before for six years. And at year five in my marriage, my ex-wife decided that she wanted to be unfaithful to me. 
not with one man, but with multiple men. And when I wanted to fix our marriage and change our marriage and, and really, like, work at forgiving her and work through that process of restoration, she didn't. And she decided that she wanted something different. And through that, my brother-in-law, Damon, gave me a Bible. And he said, hey, I want you to know something. God can fix your marriage. But God wants to fix you. All through that, all I could think about is, hey, God wants to fix my marriage. I didn't hear the whole God wants to fix you thing. So I'm going to God. God, please change her. God, please make things work. But ultimately, it didn't happen. So what I, what I realized through the pain of divorce, which is something that's still evident today, that we still have to deal with, is the pain of divorce. God brought me into a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And I realized what my brother-in-law, Damon, said is that God wanted to fix me. And so I'm thankful now that God didn't answer that prayer because if God didn't answer that prayer at that time, guess what? There's no Anthony and Amanda. There's no Addison and Annabelle Hiltz. There's no Aiden and Avery understanding who Jesus is as Lord and Savior and being Christians. And guess what? You're here tonight, but I'm not because I'm not preaching tonight. So if it wasn't for that unanswered prayer, which I thought was unanswered, but God really answers all of our prayers. We think unanswered prayers because we don't get what, he want, what we want. God answered my prayer but he didn't give me what I wanted at the time, but he gave me what I needed and he gave me a relationship with Christ because how good would it be to have what we want but be apart from the living God? It's not God's will for our life. And so I can sit here now and I can say, hey, look, God works for the good of those who love him and those that are called according to his purpose. And I want to tell you right now, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're loved, you're called according to his purpose and he will work everything out for your good. I promise you, I've seen it in the life of Jesus through the scriptures and I've experienced it in my own life. And I don't know how that's going to work out in your life, but I promise you that Jesus is there for you. He understands your pain and he's there in your suffering. So as the worship team's here, we're going to have some people in the back for prayer. We're going to have Dean and Susan there. My wife Amanda and I are going to be here for prayer. Look, if you have anything that you need to pray about, anything that you need someone to lock arms with you in prayer about, please come up here or go in the back, and we would be more than happy to pray with you. We love you so much. We're going to go to God and worship one last time.